You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to be speaking about where do we think fintech will be in five years? The golden question. Um, and today's panel, we have got Sylvia. Sylvia, can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Hi, everyone. So I'm Sylvia. I'm a product leader here at Tink, focusing on payments. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tink is the leading open banking platform here in Europe. Uh, we are integrating and working with thousands of different banks and financial companies across the scene, currently present in 18 countries and counting. Um, so personally, I've been part of FinTech for a bit over five years now. Um, before Tink, I've been working with Isatel and PayPal due to the acquisition in 2018. And before that, at Klarna, uh, that has been a fantastic journey since 2016. My background is in technology management, and I actually specialize in social impact and sustainability. I co-founded the company before in the space of recycling. So actually, I was a bit surprised when I found myself building a career in fintech. Uh, but I must say, I think fintech is super interesting, and I definitely think that it's an industry where you can create a lot of impact. So I'm quite uh, happy with this decision, and I'm looking forward to the discussion today. Thank you so much for that introduction, Sylvia. Sustainability to fintech, I love it. Uh, right, okay, next on the panel, we've got Oscar. Oscar, can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Oscar Alvason. And to start with, I must say I'm a huge uh, podcast fan, listening to a wide range of, of podcasts on topics such as like technology, fintech, of course, but also like music, the US, China, but most importantly, the latest news from the National Hockey League, of course. So, um, but I'm also making my podcast debut today, so I'm really excited about that. So thanks, Chris, for, for having me. Um, I'm the CTO of Rocker, and Rocker is a bank challenger based in Stockholm, aiming to build the number one banking app. We, we started off in 2017 with simplifying loans and credits on mobile platforms. And today we offer a comprehensive range of services within personal finance management, payments, uh, savings, credits and loans, of course. And we're also pioneering the peer-to-peer -peer payment services for classifieds with buy now, pay later options currently offered on Blocket, the biggest peer-to-peer -peer site in Sweden. And we try to drive users by, by offering banking services that are like easier to use, more affordable and smarter without the strange terms and conditions and hidden fees, of course. And, and we're only operational in Sweden on the Swedish market as of now. But our main goal, one of our main goals for, for this year is also be present in at least one or two more markets outside of Sweden. Love that. Is that an exclusive Oscar? Or have you told everyone already? <laughs> Uh, right, okay, thank you for that, Oscar. really appreciate that. Um, third on the panel, we've got Kevin. Uh, can you introduce yourself, Kevin, please? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm Kevin. Uh, I am the co-founder and CEO of PFC. So it uh, depends on who, what, how you describe us, kind of comes down to who you are. So among other fintech people, I'd say we're a neobank. Uh, to our customers, we're a personal money management app. Uh, so we are we have an app and a PFC MasterCard debit card, uh, and we really focus on helping people um, empower their their financial life as they're kind of getting started. So 
people who are getting their first house, people who are uh, just kind of starting their financial life after getting their first job. That's what we really focus on. Um, so myself, uh, I'm actually American, but I've been in Sweden for a little more than 10 years now. I have a Swedish wife, which is kind of a common story among expats here. <laughs> um, but I came to Sweden 10 years ago, and I've been kind of in fintech leadership since then. I've been at Klarna as well, just like Sylvia. I was there for five years. Um, and then I was at a couple other fintechs before, before PFC as CTO as well. Um, but I've been at PR PFC now for a little more than four years. So it's been uh, an exciting journey being in a fintech startup for sure. Love that. Whereabouts in the US are you from, Kevin? A little of everywhere. I was born in California, though. I lived yeah. in California before coming here. So I was in San Francisco before coming to Stockholm. I bet it's not snowing in San Francisco right now. <laughs> I bet it's not. I bet it's a lot <laughs> sunnier than this. Too. It's, yeah. it's even sunnier in Manchester than it is in Stockholm at the minute. It's, uh, sure. it's not hard. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, right, and finally, uh, Carl, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure. My name is Carl Hösten. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, I, well, as many of you, I have a background in, in the IT and IT security area. And, well, I, I've been in the business longer than I care to admit, actually. And currently acting CTO at uh, Financial ID Technique, uh, which is a company that develops and maintains uh, a digital ID and security solution here in Sweden that's issued to by the banks to the Swedish citizens and used well widely in Sweden. Um, so in my work, I mostly work with you know long-term issues and strategies, and try to stay up to date with new t technologies. And um, as a person, I'm uh, living with my family just outside Stockholm. Uh, this is also my debut in in podcasting, as yes, as you, Oscar. So I can uh, admit I'm a bit nervous, but you have you guys have to help me out, right? Um, that, that's uh, my job, Carl. That's my uh, job. Okay, perfect. I'm <laughs> leaning on you, Kristen. So, uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, all my little spare time I have, I spend it with my family. And nowadays, I guess we all spend it at home. Uh, so that's what I do. Fantastic. What a panel, by the way. So excited for this. Yeah, when I posted um, the advertisement earlier this week, I've got so many people asking me for the link for the podcast. So, yeah, yeah, so excited to have this. Um, no pressure, though. No pressure at all. Yeah, <laughs> no pressure at all. Um, okay, so what we're talking about today is uh, where do we think fintech's going to be? Yeah, so thankfully, there's no right answers. So don't worry. Yeah, you can say anything. Yeah. Um, apart from that, uh, the format is I've asked um, the panel to bring some questions. I'm going to say the questions and and then we'll go to the rest of the panel to get some views and opinions. Yeah, we'll look at 15 minutes per question. Yeah. So um, first question was uh, from Sylvia. Sylvia's first question was, how do you expect open banking to transform the industry Yeah, and your company? five years down the line. So Sylvia, yeah, talk us through, why, why have you asked this question? Give us some context. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for sharing the question. So I'm obviously biased, right? Like we think we are in the in the open banking business. And I personally think that it's, it's one of the most exciting trends that has been happening to the fintech industry, like almost since digitalization. Like it's a huge trend to basically go from like a, a closed to a much more open system when you get access to bank data and like you have the opportunity to 
open up like building uh, a variety of different services. Um, so for us, it's it's very interesting. But I think why it's particularly interesting for this panel too, because we are working with with all of you guys and this company. Like obviously, we are integrating Bank ID in our services. Like Oscar with Rocker, I heard the, the good news that we are uh, working on a partnership together. And Kevin, also with you at PFC, I know we've been at least in talks, like you know about open banking strategy. Yeah. Like, what do we think is going to happen down the line? So I'm just very curious uh, on your opinion. Like, how how do you see this trend? Like, where do you think the industry and your company is going in this space? Okay, so I'm looking at some people's faces to see who wants to go first. I'm going to go with Kevin. Some nodding going on with Kevin. Yeah, uh, I think this it's, open banking is really interesting to me. Um, I think that to me, I actually have, have almost more questions than I have answers and guesses. I mean, I think to me that the biggest thing I think about when I think about open banking is, are we gonna? Is it gonna move us from all these different fintech companies from in the past? All finance companies were competitors to each other. And now it's like every fintech company is collaborating and competing with each other. So like yeah. the boundaries of, you know, we're all kind of working together to deliver our, our little niche area, but we're also, everyone's open to collaborate. So, you know, you got, you, you're using, yeah, you have an app, but you have products from other companies in that. They might have their own app as well. So it's, it's this kind of interesting world where ever as a consumer, you are, the boundary between companies is much going to be much more blurry than it was before. So it's, uh, I don't know where it's going to end up in the end, but I think that's really interesting that that journey. So you think there's almost going to be a collaboration between um, companies rather than the old school financial companies never used to do that? Is that is that what your prediction is almost? I think so. That's my prediction. More a collaboration and competition rather than just pure competition. Mm -hmm. Oscar. Yeah, and just to, yeah. to add to that, I think that's a super interesting like mm. point of view, and like that would be also my take and what I I would hope and believing that it's like more you know growing the ecosystem and creating more opportunities for collaboration. But yeah, it's tricky. Like as you said, we sometimes say like in fintech, all of us are a bit of frenemies. Like you know, we are all like jumping <laughs> into like each other's spaces. But I would hope that you know we are more growing the pie and kind of like identifying those opportunities that going like head on uh, in a couple of different spaces but super super interesting to hear like also that there are almost more questions than answers in this mm. space because it's definitely like a new uh, trend that we still have to like wrap our heads around Let, let's try and get some answers though what, what's your thoughts oscar no, but I think yeah, it's interesting to hear the word collaboration we're looking at the, the questions for today uh, that was really something that came into mind not this uh, things standing towards each other, but more of the collaboration part. And I think we've only just seen the start of the open banking. I think it completely changes the map of, of things and, and how we're meeting with the consumer. Uh, like data that was like only having access, one bank having only access to, to, your own, to that specific data. Now you have the complete overview in one place, gives a whole lot of different values and possibilities to create value and by that creating trust, of course. And uh, while doing that, you will be, when getting the understanding there, you will be able to, to create a lot of fancy innovations there, I think. For, for, my, for, our, for our perspective, I think it enables us to, to work with like the overlay banking, um, making it less relevant to use your traditional banking app and making it more relevant to use like your app like as Rocker where we can aggregate in all of your 
all your banks and cards and engagements that you have and put the overlay there where you can do everything that you can in your original banking app, but a lot more on all the things that you have on all your engagements. So I think that that is something that we are working really hard with. And um, I think also something here in the open banking that the transforming and what what interests me, it's that these kind of fintech solutions and, and, and uh, the solutions with with open banking is that I think it creates a, a bit more financial interest and, and education in general that that's getting better. It's improving by these kind of in, initiatives. You get a better understanding for things, you get a better overview, which over time creates better understanding and, and interest and education. And by that, when having that in place, you will be able to to get even more innovative solutions in place because people trust them, they understand them, they can see what kind of value that brings in their financial life. So, so I think that is something that we are really looking into. Carl? Yeah, I, I can totally agree. And I, I think that uh, to me, it's, you know, I can almost feel the parallel to the old gold rush days where new opportunities are created in a very rapid pace. And I think that there will be more like a, I can always see like a romp shaped, you know, future where we have an explosion right now in new, um, you know, um, systems and functions and services and products to customers and a lot of new companies. And I think that that explosion, that that uh, evolution will will provide for a few years. And then I see that, I mean, we, we call it fintech today and it's just a term coined. I mean, Chinese food in China is just food. And in a few years, this will be just, you know, financial services like anything. Mm. Um, yeah, so and I, I think it's interesting that you say that it's both a collaboration and a, and a you know, the competing, challenging um, uh, environment because I think that also stimulates um, uh, innovation and new ideas and ultimately uh, new good services for, for, for us as private citizens. Okay, sounds all positive then. Yeah, yeah, this is totally. good. Yeah, sure. This is all positive. So, so yeah. Far, all yeah, no negatives at all. Uh, no, brilliant. And then Sylvia's actually got a follow-up question, uh, which I wanted to get in, and that's how can fintech create a more positive social impact in the world? Are there any trends that will accelerate or stand out in your opinion? Yeah. So, Sylvia, just again, give us some context about kind of maybe your thoughts around this question. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's also a question I'm personally very interested in and like uh, caring like very much. Like we all want our companies to you know, create value in the world and, and create a positive impact. And I think all companies will have some kind of angle um, on this. And there is definitely like more and more trends in this space that accelerating. Like there are also very recent news that has been around, like, for example, the collaboration between Klarna and Dokonomi, like kind of working around carbon budgeting and like understanding with the help of financial technology, your carbon and environmental footprint, just to say an example. But there is like also so much else that with the neo banks and challenger banks are working with. So especially, you know, having you uh, on the call, like Oscar, Kevin and Chris, I'm super interested. Like what what is some angle that, you know, you see in the industry and in the space that you think could like accelerate or stand out in the future? Uh, let's change the order up, yeah, uh, try and catch people off guard. Oscar, let's go with you first. 
<laughs> all right, yeah, sure, that's fine. I think there, there are a few things that I'm thinking about here. First of all, um, not sure if an English word, but democratization, could you say that, of financial mm -hmm. advice? Like um, uh, open banking enables uh, these kind of services to be more accessible to everyone, not mm -hmm. only for those who can afford it, who can afford the personal advisory, or if you, you know a specific banker or you have uh, the network for it or anything like that. I think open banking provides that you can have it in your phone, the complete overview with uh, good tools and and uh, and, um, and the education there, right there in your phone, uh, in your hand, mm -hmm. without these kind of things. That That is one thing I think is really important here and, and, and will have a huge impact in the society as such, I think. Second thing I'm thinking about a bit more also is that I think, of course, there's a lot of... Uh, anti-fraud, anti-crime, uh, anti-corruption, things going on in each of the, the banks and, and financial institutes, institutions and fintech, of course. But I think connecting the dots here, having open APIs, uh, combine forces between uh, in, that individual banks were not able to do before, that you can do on a broader scale now and, and join forces there to, to actually find, identify patterns that you will not be able to do on your own uh, to avoid these kind of, or improve uh, the fighting against these crimes and corruption, things like that. We always see, we've seen some of those initiatives already. I think it's, uh, especially in the Netherlands, where they've gone together to do these kind of things, uh, opening up this. So I think that's a really interesting area as well on the society level. Love that. Um, Carl, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, I believe in uh, technology bringing people together, and I don't think this is an exception in any way. Um, I mean, we remove, by technology, remove barriers in order to allow people to interact and, and socialize. And I think that, I mean, a concrete example would be like peer-to-peer -peer, uh, lending, for example, where we can find new uh, solutions for people to socialize around, you know, the, the need for money in some places and an excess and a need to invest in other places. And as we talked before, uh, talked about before, I think that, you know, with the innovative force that fintech provides um, i think we will see more of you know um, services on a personal scale that are more interesting for me as a as an individual rather than you know having trust in a certain fintech company or not uh, making you know allowing people to meet on a on a individual level through uh, i mean even if it's blockchain or another way of of uh, exchanging money or value i think fintech can provide a lot of those values to to people, uh, the social aspect of it. Yeah. Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I think that Oscar took the words right out of my mouth. I actually written down exactly what you said about democratization. It's exactly what I oh, think sorry. too. Like, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that tech in general, like when technology comes to an industry, it has the, it, by, by reducing costs to create this functionality and of course, we're bringing more functionality and better products to customers. Just the fact that it's this technology to an industry that's previously a um, a manual industry, right? So, you know, to talk about democratization, I mean, before, if you wanted to have really personalized financial services, you would have had to have a personal banker who you go to and get private advice from. And now that kind of advice and the kind of options to choose among a whole bunch of different funds if you're investing or different loans if, if you're, I want to take a loan, like those are available to everyone now, which they wouldn't be available to someone 20 years ago before fintech was even a, a thing. 
So I think just tech entering entering finance is uh, by itself kind of helps customers get a a better a better experience, a better life. Sylvia, any final thoughts? No, I love that we we are also using the word democratization. We also very often talk about like data democratization, and you know I love when we we can really start to fill this word with meaning, like in itself, like it's definitely the opportunity, but I love the very concrete examples that you guys also mentioned, like helping people better understand their finances, uh, the ability to give better loans, uh, to actually just create more fairness in the financial system due to opening up data and then building clever solutions around that data. So that's definitely one of the things that like, you know, excites me the most and, and why I go to work every day. Perfect. Thanks. So we actually have a data democratization uh, podcast coming up in two weeks, but that's actually within a business. It's really interesting that you're talking about it for the consumers as well. Um, fascinating. Um, okay, brilliant. First two questions, that's Sylvia. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, second question, and this was Moscow. Yeah, so Oscar mentioned uh, the big incumbent banks are without hesitation facing increased competition from the fintech area and are expected to do so over the years to come. However, they will not go down easily. Over the next five years, what are the areas do you think will see the biggest pushbacks from them in and how will fintech react? So Oscar, give us some thoughts around your question, really. Yeah, uh, I think it was interesting to, to talk a little bit about that. Um, I think um, the pandemic has, has done thing here, done things here that I can see a little bit has impacted incumbent banks positively, I think. I think it's really been pushing them to become even more like digitally faster than I think they would have been otherwise, which I've seen as, as a real big trend. They have been also closing down, down branches uh, faster than I think they would have been doing otherwise and updating their apps uh, more frequently. There's been a lot of action in this in this area, I think. And uh, same thing, of course, in the fintech industry, which has been moving really fast. And I, I believe in this kind of, um, I'm not saying that they're they're going down in any way. I believe in the, like the different layers, uh, maybe that we have the restructuring in, in place where, where one layer being really good at facing the consumers and one layer being really good at the financial infrastructure. And doesn't necessarily mean that we will have um, fewer players, um, maybe quite the opposite. But I think uh, it will be interesting to hear your thoughts on, on, on what, where the big uh, pushbacks will be or if it will be a, a collaboration focus here where the, that are fintechs that are great at collaborating with the big banks and the big banks being great at collaborating with the fintechs, those are the ones that will succeed. Or how do you see this kind of world transforming? Perfect. Right. You're on the opposite side, Sylvia, now. So let's go to you first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a good kind of question to react to it first. And yeah, we, we definitely work with this problem space every day, right? Like currently we have around like 3,500 banks in the network and we see a huge variety uh, in terms of like how the banks like think about the industry, like how do they see the future, how open they are the collaboration. In general, the good news is that we see a very positive trend. Like what I hear, especially from my peers, like it's it's really a huge difference, especially uh, from compared to a couple years ago. I think banks are more and more embracing the opportunity and, and see it like 
less as a threat, but more an opportunity um, to live up to customer expectations and to start to launch new services. And you know, our hope for open banking platforms like Astink is that they don't see us as a threat, but they more see us as a partner and an enabler, like companies who can actually help them become better, like a build better APIs than service providers like us and other companies can use and also like use us and others to to integrate new services like personal financial management uh, and so on in the bank interface that can eventually lead to more customers and like better loyalty. So we see definitely a very very positive trend uh, in the collaboration effort. It's not universal yet so um, <laughs> there's going to be definitely some variety going forward. Um, but that's interesting. And I think for me, the other very interesting part is some kind of collaboration project between the banks. And here I'm thinking about in Sweden, for example, Bank ID or Swish that are obviously huge successes and that are, are coming very much from the banks. So what's, what's kind of very interesting for me to see also is like, how are these kind of bank services and collaboration going to involve uh, in the different global markets? And is there an opportunity to go also more cross-border, like Bank ID is a huge success here in Sweden, but we also see a need for it. It would be amazing to have a more, for example, more universal authentication method across mm -hmm. Europe, which is currently more like a dream, uh, but five years down the line, I would, I would really hope that we are starting to see these services popping up. So, so you're seeing actually some, it's actually changing into more collaboration piece between the, uh, the traditional banks and the fintech areas, but do you see any pushbacks though, predicted pushbacks, Sylvia? Um, sure, I mean, there's always pushbacks, right? And mm. I would almost see like there is probably just a, some kind of difference in variety in the speed of adoption, like some banks, even the more incumbent traditional banks were like much faster and kind of understanding the opportunities and the dynamics, but we still see uh, like a large part of the more traditional incumbent banks that are like either just not really looking into this space or like less open to collaboration or or downright like taking it more as a threat. Mm. You know, as, as you said before, like it's the banking scene will look very differently in five years from now. Like we are not going to see exactly the same few thousand players that we see today. Um, okay, Kevin, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I think about the fintech and finance industry compared to like other industries that have been uh, that have similar situations where there's always new players coming in, like fintech is coming into the finance world. I, I think what's really interesting in the Nordics, at least, is it seems like the the traditional the the established financial companies have not really spent much time uh, acquiring smaller companies. I mean, look what like look at what Facebook did when when a potential big competitor came in with Instagram, right? They buy it up, and then uh, they they make it a great product still, but they're growing themselves by acquiring these kind of new companies like incubators, and that seems to like to not really be a thing in the Nordics, at least not yet, uh, of of banks or other you know established finance companies buying up smaller companies. I think it's really strange, and I. I the only thing I can really, way I can really understand it is that they just don't really see it as a threat. They don't realize how much of a problem it's going to be for them long term, or they they think that they're they're too focused on their internal problems to think about the external threats. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I mean, if you look at the companies who are doing acquisitions and consolidations, it's other fintechs acquiring other fintechs. 
You know, like mm. just uh, this week, uh, big news, uh, Lunar acquired Lendify, you know, a really big fintech to fintech acquisition. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be more consolidation at some point, uh, probably in the next couple of years among uh, fintechs. And I think it's really interesting to see if the banks will like wake up and decide they should also do some acquisitions instead of, instead of, um, yeah, waiting for the other fintechs to take, take their market from them. It's a really interesting point, that, Kevin, because you're completely right. In the gaming sector, for example, they're always doing it. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Gambling, they're just always doing it, aren't they? Uh, even in the Nordics. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you haven't seen that. Um, really interesting. Cal, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's uh, partly because there's a history of Nordics, Nordic banks in, you know, we have a history where banks are uh, traditionally very good at collaborating and, and you know coming along but they have also in many areas been in the forefront i mean they digitalized very early and i don't think they um, see it yet i mean different banks will of course react in different ways but if we if we try to talk about it as a whole i don't think they actually see them see it as a threat the way it is just yet i mean some banks are investing in fintech businesses you know providing um, uh, equity and, and, and investing and some banks are starting new banks just to be able to fight the, on the same scene and on the same terms so I think it's it's a bit of com- a confusion and I think um, um, they, they lean on the history where they didn't have to you know make this kind of acquisitions and this kind mm. of uh, arena is new to them uh, but as a, if we talk pushback I, as I said I, I know that the banks are have a history of being, at least here in Sweden, um, very good at collaborating, and I think that um, there will there will always be different parties, of course, doing going different ways. But it wouldn't surprise me if they find ways of collaborating even in this area as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there's so many interesting questioning this questions in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be interesting to uh, to uh, evolve. Yeah. Well, what's kind of your final thoughts, Oscar? You know, I think it's uh, really interesting to hear your thoughts on it. I really, I really agree to what you mentioned, Kevin, regarding the acquisition part. It's something I'm really thinking about as well. Uh, with given recent events, uh, as you mentioned as well, and we've seen that in the game, you have companies there on the Swedish market buying buying companies basically every week. And, yeah. and and consolidating there, so I think um, maybe we'll get there um, fairly soon. We'll see. Um, so I think there were really great points all of you made. And as you mentioned, Carl, I think that, and, and also you, Sylvia, regarding the collaboration and the bank ID and Swish and all of these kind of things. I think there there is a real strength. Uh, there are great innovations being re- widely used by us, of course, and and our peers, and something that would be really interesting to see on a more um, international scale, for sure. Brilliant. Right, Kevin, I'm coming to you. Yeah, Kevin, it's straight to the point. Is finance a winners-takes-all market? Yeah, explain this, Ke- Kevin. Yeah, I think, um, and this question comes, you know, we're a VC-funded startup, which means talking to investors around the world all the time. And, you know, really common question is, well, there's only going to be one winner in fintech, right? There's, at the end, so are you going to be the only winner in fintech? And and of course, I think all of us here know that's a, a pretty. I think we're going to think it's kind of a silly thing to say, like there's going to be one winner in finance in the world or something, right? It's not realistic, I don't think. 
but that's my opinion. Maybe you guys disagree. So that's what I'm curious about. Is there going to be, is there a, is it a winner take all market in finance in either in uh, a, a geography or the whole world? Who are we going to come to first? Carl's nodding his head, so I'm coming to him. Uh, well, uh, as I we talked about, you know, technology making it easier to for people to to interact and socialize, and I think it also makes it easier to compete, of course. And so I think it's uh, one part of me thinks that yeah, we we're going to you know what you're describing uh, as as, as uh, the winner takes it all market. On the other hand, we're also seeing lots of more regulation on the area, and I don't think it would be accepted. So. Uh, even it, though it would be possible in the in the foreseeable future, I don't think it will be that it will that it will happen, because I think that it will be regulated too hard, and it would be it would also of course lead to you know a growing inequality, you know with with lead, with greater gaps in in, mm. in economy and 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 incomes. So I don't think it would be allowed actually. Mm. Sylvia. Yeah, interesting. We actually talk quite a lot about it. It's, I think like fintech in itself, it's huge. I don't really believe in the, the winner takes it all as fintech in general, but there could be different parts and spaces within fintech where there could be a winner takes it all or actually, according to me, more like a few takes it all kind of situation. And there's a few reasons for that. And one is the data play, right? So like it's getting increasingly important, like whatever services we are building, getting the largest amount of volumes and, and the data on the platform helps so much with optimization and building better products. And we already see that popping up uh, in a couple of services all around. So we think that, yeah, for, for example, if we take like open banking or, or some other spaces like within the payments industry, there is absolutely like a, a competition and a rush in getting the largest volumes, the largest data so that we can invest in like smarter and smarter services and optimization. Um, and the other one is investment, right? Like one of you mentioned too, like there is a, there is a lot of capital available, but like building quality services, especially globally, takes a lot of talent and a lot of investment. Um, and we see like if there is like concentrated investment and capital in a couple of companies, like that can give a huge competitive advantage. Um, so that's more my bet, uh, not one winner, but rather like a few winners takes it all. A few winners. And I've just realized, Kevin, have you managed to get an ABBA reference in my Stockholm Tech podcast? Yeah, have you managed to sneak that in? <laughs> I've just noticed it. I'm just hearing it so many times, like, shall I snap a song? Um, okay, Oscar, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, but I, I, I totally agree here. I don't think there's a winner-takes-all market here. I think, yeah, with everything going on in this uh, in this space when it comes to regulations and technology, I think there are great possibilities for, for a lot of players, both old ones and, and new ones. Uh, I think I heard the other day that like fintech arena is more like a relay race than a winner takes all arena. It's more like building uh, products and services on top of existing banking infrastructure. And the only way to do that is is through great uh, collaboration, as we've been talking about. So I think it comes back to that and what brings uh, uh, relevance and innovation still to to the incumbent banks while it brings like um, the fintech area gets the decades of trust and loyalty and, and security as, as one part of it. So I think in the long run, I think uh, big tech would like to have a saying in all of this. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think we've already seen preventive active actions to avoid um, monopolies and unfair competitions like 
for instance, uh, big tech using great profits in other areas to, to subsidize uh, financial areas. And uh, that's one thing. Uh, to, yeah, and I think uh, read the other day regarding China looking into setting limitations on how too many banks a fintech can connect to. So, so by that, avoiding winner-takes-all thing. Um, but I think it will be really interesting to see over the five years here to come if there will be like a player, a fintech player that can do something similar that we've seen with the, like the, well, I think the best example maybe is the car manufacturing where like the Tesla's market cap is the sum of like the nine following yeah. biggest car makers together. Will we have that kind of setting where a fintech player can take on that kind of role within the five years to come? Yeah. Not so sure, but um, that'll be interesting to follow for sure. It's really interesting. I'm trying to think who it would be. Um, Kevin, what's your kind of final thoughts? It's a really interesting last question that I ask, I suppose. Do you think in five yeah. years we could get to that Tesla status in the fintech world? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think, I yeah. guess it would be if, I think for it to be that kind of uh, outsized influence, it would be like a tech company coming out, like a, like a traditional big tech company like Google or Apple or something like that, taking that kind of role. Um, but I think what you said was really interesting. Carl about uh, about regulation, how regulators are kind of kind of are going to prevent that from happening anyway. So, you know, EU especially has been really good about uh, about looking at regulation to stop kind of this kind of monopolies. So it seems realistic that that would also be a preventer for you know one or just a couple of companies dominating so so dramatically like that. Really interesting. Takes mm, yeah, um, brilliant. Right, okay, let's go on to our final question. Uh, and this is Carl's question. And Carl said, uh, will customers express increased requirements to have more control over who has access to their transaction history? For example, or is the trend going to go the other way? So Carl, do you want to give some um, context behind your question and your thoughts? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's easy actually. I mean, I think when we talk about open banking and fintech, Basically, we're talking about data, and um, as I think it's going right now, it's going you know two different opposite direction. In one way, people are easily sacrificing their privacy in order to get free and uh, better services and products. On the other hand, I, we see even see an increasing movement for privacy. Of course, uh, I mean, if we look at uh, what's his name, Tim Berners-Lee, the, the inventor of World Wide Web. He's starting a new company, uh, you know, with with this question um, in the aim: how to secure our private data and how to, uh, you know, make sure that we own our own data. And so, in in the fintech market, this must, of course, provide a, a big issue or a big question, at least, how this trend will move. So, what do you think? Okay, um, Sylvia, you look like you've got this one. <laughs> Sure. Um, super interesting question. I think we are very much at the sort of in the early days, like figuring out even how to approach that. Immediately, what comes to my mind is, uh, for example, GDPR and the cookie policies that we all like heard about a lot and invested like a little bit. They broke the Internet. <laughs> like right now, I feel like, you know, wherever you go to, to a new website and you immediately get an, an accept cookie or like a new terms and conditions. Uh, bubble. The idea behind it is great, but as a customer, it becomes super overwhelming and, and very few of us actually take the time to, you know, read the, the different terms and conditions and, and keep track of this data. So the big opportunity I see is that, yes, as 
consumers. Like they definitely have the need to have better control and overview, but currently there is not a, a lot of services around who can do it in a user-friendly way. Um, so what I would be hoping, like a few days ago, I don't like that, there's gonna be a, a couple of iterations on this place and like probably like platforms and bigger providers, like they can come together of giving a much more user-friendly overview and tools to the customers to really feel empowered uh, to take ownership of that data and to have a good overview. But we are not quite there yet. Uh, so I'm also very, very interested in what's going to happen in this space. Okay. Kevin? Yeah, I think this is a really deep philosophical question, actually. It's a really a lot of implications for not just finance, but kind of beyond that. I read this book a couple of years ago called um, The Transparent Society by an author called David Brin. And he was talking about this exact topic of what what is the future of, of data and transparency. And he said that that he predicted society would go the direction of giving up on the concept of privacy altogether because it's too hard to try to control this data. So everyone will just broadcast everything about them at all times. And you can kind of see this in some ways already, like this is a reality of like Instagram, right? Everyone puts everything they're doing on Instagram or Snapchat, right? We're not there in finance, and I don't think it's necessarily a good idea in finance, but <laughs> but it's interesting to think about those kind of um, those kind of extremes. Will we will people give up on on trying to control their data long term? Uh, I think we're pretty far away from that still. But, uh, yeah, but would you would you be interesting to pay for it? I mean, uh, as it is right now, this is in in essence free data for fintech companies to mm. to dig into and and make profit of, profit of. But say that that you had to you know buy the data from from the private citizens that could actually control which information you had access to, uh, and how far the you know I mean how many customers would you need to have in your data set in order to to make and build great products, uh, and what would you be willing to pay for it? That's to you, Kevin. Yeah, that's I, can't. Idea. I, mean, <laughs> I can't. I, I can't answer that one, unfortunately. I'm not going to attempt to answer that one. That's a really interesting idea, though. Is like, can we? Can you find a way to to move the power of owning the data to the customer, where to the to the, the human being involved there, who can actually uh, decide that no, this is really my data, and for you to get the control of it, you have to pay for it. That's an interesting way of turning it around. I've, um, I've actually, I actually used to deal with a guy in London who's now working at Facebook, I won't say his name, but who did try and uh, monetize that trade, yeah. try to get, create an app for it. But it just never kicked off. I don't know why, but I've, I've seen people trying to do that. That was probably about five years ago. Yeah. Um, what, Oscar, what's your yeah, thoughts? I'm, yeah, but I think uh, interesting questions here. And, and I think for me, it's uh, about trust and, and value creation. I think PC2 in general is an initiative to, to like improve security and control for, for the consumer. However, still, when it's being used and being put into apps and 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 and, uh, and used uh, these PST2 tools that we have, it's still a bit scary. I think for for the vast majority of, of people, you're not maybe not sure what, what will be what will be happening with the, the data I'm sharing and and that kind of information. I think the more and more people are being used to. Um, use these kind of uh, services and, 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 and like getting this aggregation of engagements that you have in different places, see how it's being used, that at, that by by sharing this data, I get more relevant uh, um, uh, offerings. I get um, a better way to easily make, make money. I, I see the real value of, of doing it. And at the same time, I also feel like I'm not being 
my data is not being used to be sold to anyone who's trying to sell me things that I'm not uh, interested in. I think if we if I if I share my data and I by that can see that my experiences experiences increased and I make money on that, and at the same time I feel no bad consequences on that. I think that for me brings value and the trust and and bringing that to to the majority will open up for a lot more great innovations, I think, that will have huge impact. So I think we're getting there, but not uh, really yet, maybe. Yes, I completely agree on the importance of bringing trust and building trust over the consumer. And I feel like that's the responsibility of all of us and all the companies who are working uh, with the consumer data to, to treat it accordingly and to build this trust over time. Carl, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. any final thoughts? No, I, and I agree. And for me, it's I mean, we, it's like we're talking of three different user groups here. One is the those that, you know, they don't know what their data is used for, and they don't, you know, have the insight or the, the understanding enough to to uh, reason about it, and they just accept it. And uh, today, maybe maybe that's the majority of users. And then there's maybe those who know actually that uh, what is used, what what the data is used for, and but they accept it because the that the, the the products and the services are you know good enough for them to accept that, and then we have a, today maybe a minority of users who actually react to it and say well, we won't be using those kind of services and we won't be you know accepting that our information is sold or used in that way. Uh, is that something that if you use if you do user um, uh, you know clustering, is that aspect something you? You think about or ask, ask your customers in 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 what uh, way they want to use they want to to share their data. That's to the panel. That yeah. You got any, Kevin? Yeah, I mean it's it's a really I mean, it's obviously really tied to the recent regent legislation around this in Europe, especially I mean GDPR. Obviously, I mean. Um, there are ways to do that so that you don't use people's personal data, like anonymizing data. So that's you know that can become a st kind of a standard now is anonymize the data before you analyze it, so you don't have to. Well, once you don't have to, um, uh, you don't have to worry about about the, someone's privacy. But uh, that's probably the most important one. Um, so I think that's, a, that's those are there's some techniques where you can still get the same benefits without without compromising people's privacy. So it, I think that that definitely helps customers in that. You know, before those kind of legislation, maybe a company would just say, "Well, who cares about about um, anonymizing this data before I analyze it?" Uh, which yeah. means you're opening the customer up to more to more um, to more danger, in theory. Yeah. So, um, so I think it, I think if if legislation is nothing else, then make companies think, "Hey, we can do this in a way that doesn't uh, potentially hurt a customer." That's a really good thing, I think. Yeah, Oscar. But no, I totally agree there. I think yeah, transparency is key and, and, and being really open to, to what you're using for what purposes and, and, and also that you can see the, the value of it and, and gaining the trust from that, as I mentioned. As, as long as you're there, of course, there will be people not choosing or not seeing that or not choosing to, to use your service for that purpose, maybe. But as long as we are very clear on, on why and the reason behind it, uh, and we can create value um, based on that and a great experience, uh, I think we are better off, of course. Yeah, we talked earlier about uh, fintech businesses or companies both being competitors and and collaborators. 
Do you think that uh, user data is something that the fintech companies will collaborate, you know, and share in order to make make uh, to build better services and provide better uh, user experiences? For sure, <laughs> it's already happening to a large yeah. extent. Uh, but I think it's good when you know, for for this aspect, the regulation comes into place and quite strict data policies come into space. Like if we share data uh, between different companies, that needs to be transparent. And I also like the sort of guiding principle and the policy that only that data should be shared and stored that creates value and added benefits. So I think yeah. it's, it's important when we design our products and services that we are quite like scrutinizing, like do we really need that data point in order yeah. to build service or the value we propose? And we just kind of just heard data before i feel like maybe that's been a trend for a while like oh it's for data sure. great let's let's get it let's store it and let's see what yeah. we're gonna do about it but it's right now i think most players are much more conscious and mindful about uh consumer data good yeah. it is a fine balance isn't it it's a fine yeah. balance all this um but i think you've already like seen initiatives on similar areas uh, norway for example having a national like debt register we haven't seen that in sweden yet but but uh, in order to protect uh, consumers from taking on more debt than they, they they can handle and giving and getting that on a centralized level making it more accessible for for mm. lenders things like yeah. that and sharing data and I think those kind of collaborations and using data uh, to protect uh, consumers from ending up in, in bad situations would be um, good stuff, I would say. Mm. Yeah. I think that's happening in the buy now, pay later space at the minute. Yeah, yeah about that bit, sharing. Yeah, yeah. Um, recently heard that. Um, okay, let's leave it there. Um, what a panel, by the way, thank you so much. Um, I just wrote down some thoughts, uh, just how this went, by the way. So um, clear, concise, thought-provoking and very positive, actually. So thank you so much to the panel today.